Amen. Well, good morning and welcome. I want to welcome all of uh, you here this morning, especially our kids. This is the first Sunday of the month, so we do what's called Doodle Sunday. Uh, And that means that kids, we have the opportunity for you to kind of experience what goes on in the service here. Uh, And so this sermon is is especially for you. We do have these doodle guides. If you haven't received one, that can be picked up at the kids' table. Kids, if you do the drawings asked of you uh, afterwards, you can get a prize. So we'd love to invite you to do that. We do ask that you do a good job listening, uh, doing the drawings that are asked. Uh, And if you do those two things, uh, listening, doing the drawings, not getting up a whole lot, then uh, we'd be honored to give you a prize here. Today's scripture reading comes from Paul's letter, the Colossians, chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. You can follow along in your Bibles. It'll also be on the screen. And then if you're a kid, you've got that, you've got the print version. So would you listen now with open ears as I read these words from the book that we love. And so, from the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray together. Oh God, our Father, we come to you now and we sit under these words, we've sung these songs, uh, we've confessed our faith together, uh, we've greeted someone we don't know. And Lord, I recognize that as we come in this room, as we sit under these words, as we've sung these songs, uh, Lord, I recognize that we come here from all kinds of different places. Some of us come here full of hope. Some of us are even here full of joy. Others, though, of us are here, uh, and we are in a very difficult season. Some of us are here with increasing uh, burdens that are coming too big for us to carry. Lord, some of us are here... uh, with, with all of our needs met, it seems, and others of us are here wondering whether there will be provision for tomorrow. But Lord, I rec- recognize further, though, that some of us are here, uh, and we are here in faith and hope and belief in you. Others of, our here, others of us are here, and we're not sure if you're real, uh, and if you are, if the words that have just been read will make any impact uh, on the biggest questions of our lives, the things that keep us up at night, the things that continue to remain unsettled. And Lord, I pray, therefore, that whatever place we find ourselves in, uh, whether we come here in celebration or in sadness, whether we come here uh, with faith or dealing with all kinds of doubt, I pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that we do all ultimately come the same. We've all come here with an overwhelming and an unrelenting need to hear from you, to know you, and to be changed by you. And I pray that you would show us how you have addressed this need in the person and work of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Ironworks. Special welcome to our Fresh Air Club. Um, It's great to be with you this morning. If you're new to Ironworks, I want to just kind of orient you as to what's going on. This is uh, the time in our calendar where we restart our home groups. Home groups are often on pause for the summer, and then with COVID, 
lots of things have been on pause. So as, as you might have discerned from our very own announcement, man, we are restarting our home groups. Uh, and this year, our home groups are all going to be looking at the same question together, which is how does God tell us that we ought to relate to one another? right? We're, we're abbreviating this one another. And the way that we're answering that, uh, the way that I'm answering that from a broad perspective is that God calls us to a deep friendship that would become eventually substantive discipleship, okay? God calls us to live in community with one another, right? Liberals and conservatives together, hugging with social distancing, um, right? Together, no matter, no matter what your background is, right? No matter what your ethnicity is, no matter what your age is, God calls us into real, deep friendship that this world does not understand. And that that friendship, though, is intended to move toward mutual discipleship, okay? But here's the problem, what is discipleship, right? How, who, who, you know, can anyone answer that? What does it mean to be a disciple? Well, it's an old word uh, used, of course, in the Gospels quite a bit uh, and in the rest of the New Testament. Uh, and in the Gospels, it was really clear to know if you were a disciple of Jesus, right? If you were a disciple of Jesus, how, did you, how would you be identified? And it was very simple. Answer, you spent most of your time with him, right? In fact, Peter when uh, he denied our Lord those three times at that faithful campfire, right? He was identified as what? He has been with Jesus. Answer, he is a disciple, right? He, he's been all with him the whole time as Jesus has been teaching and causing all these problems. Peter, this man has been with him the whole time. Translated means he is a disciple, right? So kids, what I want you to do is I want you to draw yourself doing some things with a friend, right? Like discipleship of Christ means that you're spending time with him. You're spending your days with him. And now that Christ has gone uh, to heaven, uh, it's not as though his call for people to become disciples of him ceases, right? We know that because in the gospel of Matthew in the 28th chapter, he tells his, his disciples at the time, I'm leaving and your job is to go and make disciples of all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right? So Jesus calls us into discipleship even though he's not here. Right? And his method of choice for that to be happening, right? the way that he calls people into discipleship, is through other people. Therefore... What we are uh, attempting to do this fall is we are seeking for you, every one of you, from the smallest child to the most senior saint, to walk more closely with Jesus Christ, right, as an overflow of your real and deep friendship with others in this church. That's the summary of what we're doing. And what I appreciate about the passage that I read earlier here is that this passage uh, is, is very much a summary of Paul unpacking what it means to be a disciple. Right? This, sum, this passage is a summary of, what Paul, of how Paul unpacks what does it mean to be a disciple. And I want to give a special shout out to the uh, 
Not person, but the people who wrote the sermon. So this sermon is not simply me dispelling to you my lofty thoughts from my ivory tower, but this sermon was actually written by a group of us uh, on Wednesday. It's called the Wednesday Men. We meet uh, every other Wednesday, and we actually looked at this passage together, and you can go see the points on my whiteboard in my office Uh, But we kind of together are trying to live out what I'm saying here, where we're spending time with one another, we're seeking to get real and deep and substantive with one another as we look at the scriptures together. And today's product for you here today is sponsored officially by the Wednesday Men. So if you like it, you can thank them. And if you don't like it, you can complain to them. But either way, I'll I'll be happy today. So... If it's good, they'll be encouraged. If it's not, you know, I don't get criticism. It's all good. So, uh, just kidding. You, you can give me the criticism. It's what I'm paid for. So, all right, what does it mean to be a disciple? So, Paul is going to answer this under three headings. It's really simple to remember, okay? What does it mean in this passage to live as a disciple? Three answers. Number one, knowing. Number two, walking. And number three, persevering, right? Knowing, walking, and persevering. So let's look at it together. Number one, knowing. Uh, This is probably, if I had to guess, the most frequent prayer request slash question that I hear all the time, right? Some of you have asked me this or you've at least articulated this as a prayer request in my presence. When I say to someone, you know, tell me how I can pray for you, the most frequent response I hear is, I just want to know what God wants me to do, right? I don't know what God wants me to do right now. Would you pray that God would show me what he wants me to do? I've heard this uh, more times than I can remember. I've felt this way. And in our passage, it says here in verse 9, he says, since we've heard effectively, that you are Christians, right, that you have believed the gospel and that you are loving others. By the way, interesting tidbit from two sermons ago, right, that the Christian is identified not simply by believing, but by believing and living in community. You can't can't, uh, do without either of those things. Since we heard of those things, we are praying for you. How are we praying? That you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Right? Meaning, you know, it's a good question when, when those of you who come and have asked me of this or you've uh, asked for prayer in this regard, right? You're asking a good question. You're saying, I want to know what God wants me to do. I want to know what his call on my life is in this time, in this place. And actually, it's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, look, I want you to not just know what God wants you to do, but I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. I want you to have understanding. And we, we're categorizing this under the word knowing. And so, kids, what I want you to do is draw yourself walking on a path and talking with a friend. Getting to know God is more is like getting to know a friend more by talking with them and spending a lot of time with them. I was, I was really reminded of this recently. Are any of you married in here? Is anyone married? Has anyone been married for 10 years? What about 20 they're not sure. Do we need to talk afterwards? No. What about 30? Anyone 30? 30? 30? Maybe? Okay. <laughs> 30 years. Anyone 40? No one's 40. 40? Isaac, you are not married yet. 
or we are going to have to talk to this young lady's parents. Um, yeah, so if you've been married for any length of time, right, uh, someone asked me, you know, how long I've been married. Chrissy and I will be, if the Lord wills, celebrating our 19th anniversary this December, right? So we'll be married 19 years. And uh, recently, I've been walking with a, a friend as they've been doing this process of online dating, right? So, you know, I'm asked kind of a fair bit or talked to at least about, you know, well, pastor, I've been doing this online dating, and, you know, then they go on to describe it. And I'm sitting here saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. How does it work? So I finally found a person in my life who I have the kind of relationship with that I felt comfortable saying, hey, will you, like, let me watch what this looks like and how this works and everything. So we met together recently and, you know, he was showing me all this kind of stuff. And, you know, as I was reflecting on this process, I have to tell you, I was overwhelmed by, by what it must be like to be starting making a decision about spending the rest of your life with a person and, and really not knowing them. You know, and if you've been married five years, 10 years, Right, you know that there's a kind of knowing of a person that happens after 10 years that is simply 100% not possible after six months or one year or even five years, right? You know, there's a kind of knowing that happens after spending 10, 20, 30, 40 years with a person, right? It's not like you stop getting to know a person. You're always learning. You know, John Piper says that when we uh, are with God in heaven, that there will not be a day where we do not learn something new about him, right? That we will be continually growing in knowledge. And, you know, the scripture supports this. It says, um, it says in John 17, 3, Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, right? And so uh, the question, what does it mean to be a disciple? The answer is that you are always growing in your knowledge of God, right? And I just want to ask you, you know, those of you who are, are here and you're a Christian today, are you growing in your knowledge of God, right? Like if you're married for, for 10, 20 years, you can look back and you can say, wow, how in the world did we ever make that decision where, where we just real, we didn't realize at the time that we knew someone just a, a shred of what we would know them like, right? In the same way, when you walk with God, you look back and you say, wow, I, I just knew him just a shred of what I do now because he's revealed himself to me. I've considered him in the scriptures. I've lived life with him, right? You know, in Psalm 95, God says to Israel, he says, you know, they're not going to enter the promised land because even though, you know, they knew of me, they did not know my ways. They did not genuinely and actually know my ways, right? And, and the way this scripture talks about it, it talks about not simply knowing God, but increasing, verse 10, in the knowledge of God, right? So at a very simple level, discipleship means that I am learning things about God. When's the last time you learned something about God, I wonder? Right? When's the last time? You know, at our staff meeting, for example, we looked at James chapter 1 uh, on Tuesday, and I learned um, that 
when you persevere, when you're persevering through a trial, for example, I learned that God is working then. That was, that was an aha moment for me, right, in the scriptures. Just, just on Tuesday, right? This comes out through your glorious staff as we're all sitting there together and we're considering the scriptures. You know, I learned something. When's the last time you learned something? Right? Are you receiving from the scriptures in such a way that you're knowing God better? Are you knowing him through prayer? Right? Those things are intended to happen. That's what's supposed to happen. That's how God has designed you. That's how God has structured community and friendship is so those things happen, right? So that you sharpen one another. Great quote by uh, J.I. Packer, the late J.I. Packer now, uh, who wrote, of course, the book Knowing God. He says, There is no peace like the peace of those whose minds are possessed with full assurance that they have known God and God has known them and that this relationship guarantees God's favor to them in life through death and on forever. And he also said, knowing God is a relationship calculated to thrill a man's heart. And so, friends, you know, what, part of what we're doing and where we're going with this is that we want to see you enter into the kinds of friendships with others where you're not simply, you know, alone in your closet or on, on your drive listening to a sermon or scripture or a podcast or, or something, right, and learning about God, but that you're doing it in community. And part of the reason is, is because God wants your friends to learn about him through you, Right? So that's where we're going. The first is that to be a disciple means that you are increasing in the knowledge of God. Second thing it means is that uh, to be a disciple means that you are walking with God in such a way that you are, to use the language uh, of this passage, that you are bearing fruit. So kids, what I want you to draw now is draw yourself walking on a path but stopping to help someone in need. Perhaps it is someone who is hurt or sick. Now, I can't stress how critical enough this particular piece of this passage is. You know, this was brought home to me actually this week. There's something very dangerous about knowing God in such a way, or or let me put quotation marks around it, knowing God in such a way that does not result in a changed life. So Chrissy and I, we met uh, at Bible school, and you want to know what Bible school is great at? Who here knows what Bible school is really good at? Anyone know? Anyone? Has anyone been to Bible school besides us? What's Bible school awesome at? What? Mask making? Matchmaking, yes. It is good at matchmaking. It's also good at producing non-Christians. Right? In fact, most of the folks that we know from Bible school, I think, uh, are not walking with the Lord anymore right? You know, most of the people we know that are walking with God did not go to Bible school. And in fact, the ones we, most of the folks that we knew at school are not walking with God right now, right? Um, Why is that the case? And one one simple reason for that, and I don't want to be overly simple because it is complex, but one simple reason is that if you think that you know God because you're having an increased information, but that Quotation marks, knowledge is not resulting in you living in deeper community with others, deeper transparency, more service, more sacrifice, more generosity, more kindness, more grace. 
if it's not changing your actual life, it will ultimately end in your spiritual demise, right? Nine times out of 10, right? Paul says it this way. He says, knowledge puffs up, and in contrast, love builds up, right? And that's in 1 Corinthians. And in the same way, friends, you know, I was, it was interesting. That was our experience. I was talking to someone else recently who was sharing about kind of a similar experience of folks really passionate, seemingly passionate about God, and then eventually are falling away. And, um, and I said, you know, well, what, what do you think it was? Like, what, what's going on here? And, and his answer was, it's this issue of bearing fruit, right? When, when you think of bearing fruit as optional, right, when you think of it that way long enough, add 10, 20 years out of a world that is kind of spinning out of control, you'll eventually find that you have no anchor, Right? And that you won't be able to, in our next point, we'll look at this, to persevere through life's trials, but you will crumble under them. You know, in the, in the first psalm, which is something we memorized as a staff this year, it talks about uh, the man who meditates on the word, right? Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night, right? This is, this is a person who is increasing in the knowledge of God. And how do you know that? What does it look like? Answer? Because he's like a tree who bears fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. Right? But the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. And so what we see here, what Paul is praying, is that they would know God more, and that they would bear fruit in every work. Right? So their knowledge of God is leading to a changed life. That is, that is the whole goal. And it's interesting as we, you know, have been kind of thinking about how to summarize, you know, how to thrive at Ironworks. We talk about, right, connecting. We just had our, our newcomers lunch last week, right? In order to thrive at Ironworks, you have to be connected. That's friendship, right? That's home group. You've got to serve, meaning you've got to use your spiritual gifts and bear fruit. Uh, and then you have to give, right? You have to be invested in the mission. And if you do those things, we're finding that you will be thriving. And that's probably because this is God's design for us as disciples, right? He wants us to increase in knowledge, but knowledge that is actually from him always comes out in the bearing of fruit. You know, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture on this topic is Ephesians 2.10, right? So in Bible school, we memorized Ephesians 2.8 and 9. Has anyone memorized this? Right? For by, we can say it aloud, right? For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is the work of God, so that no one may boast, right? Wonderful Reformation passage. But it goes on to say, why? Why is this the case? For we are his workmanship. We are his product, right? We are his poemia, just this word for poem, right? We are his work of art, Right? created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has planned beforehand that we should walk in. You see, a Christian understands that she has a calling that God has been arranging from the foundations of the world particular areas of service for her to walk in. Right? That's, that's uh, what a Christian who's bearing fruit understands. Uh, and if you neglect that, uh, if that's not happening or increasing in your life, 
right? It puts you in a kind of a precarious place spiritually. The Apostle Peter, in his letter, he talks about being unfruitful in the knowledge of God. Right? He's saying when the, when the knowledge of God is not bearing fruit, right, you are in a, in a place that's precarious spiritually. So the first thing is, is that God wants us to know him more deeply. Secondly, uh, that knowledge is intended to overflow into good works. Right? It is to overflow into service, into more sacrifice, into more generosity, into more humility, right? into more courage. And then thirdly... Uh, it is intended to enable you to persevere with joy. Okay, it is intended to enable you to persevere with joy. So kids, what I want you to do is to draw yourself continuing to walk on the path, but the path leads down into a deep, dark valley. Draw yourself walking into the valley with joy and strength. And this is... Uh, I think probably the hardest and the most encouraging, right? It's the hardest to accept, but when you do, it is actually the most encouraging. Uh, Paul will make reference to this in um, verse 11 where he says, I want you to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, right? Strengthened with, with a kind of power that is appropriate to God. Answer, really significant, really big. Why? At the end of verse 11, for all endurance and patience with joy. And this is something that, you know, again, even though I've been a pastor now for coming up on nine years, right? Um, been a Christian a lot longer than that. I'm 41. I've been a Christian since I think I was around 12 or so. So whatever that math is. I've been a Christian a long time and I'm still understanding this in new ways even today, right? Even in this season. And that goes back to our staff meeting where we were looking at James chapter 1, not particularly in reference to this sermon, though um, very apropos in hindsight. And that's where James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And then he says, and let steadfastness have its full effect. Or let it finish its work, right? And what the scripture is saying here is that when you go through a trial, and what's the definition of a trial? Answer, it's when your faith is tested. What does it mean to have your faith tested? Answer, it means when you are waiting for God to do something. When God is doing something, your faith is not being tested. You're actually seeing with your eyes, Right? By definition, the testing of your faith only happens in periods of waiting. Right? When, you are, when you've received the answer, right? when you've received God's provision, that's no longer faith, that's sight. Right? But faith is in the waiting. It's I'm not getting provision, I'm not getting answer, I'm not getting uh, what I would like here, but I'm still trusting God, I'm still going to him in prayer. I'm not growing callous. Uh, I'm not becoming cynical. And in that period, what God is doing is he's seeking to work in you through discipleship, through knowledge, through bearing a fruit, to give you strength so that you would be able to endure trials, endure testing with joy, right? That's what he's doing. And friends, it uh, goes without saying that actually the majority of my the majority of my pastoral work is in walking with you when you are in 
those places and those times, right? I, I, do get, I do get these prayers, you know, I want to know what God wants me to do, help me to figure out how to serve, love that, does happen a lot. But I'll tell you, there is a difference when I'm asked, will you come over because I cannot see what God is doing right now, but I don't want to give up, right? I want to have faith, I want to have hope, I want to have faith, I want to persevere, And what the scripture is saying here is that God's work in your life is intended, here's the product, for you to be able to go through trials and have joy. That is is what he's doing. If you want to to ask the, the other side of the question, there's one question, what does God want me to do? What's the other side? What is God doing? Right? I don't know what he's doing right here. Well, I feel so wounded or I'm not sure if I'm going to have provision next month, or I'm not sure if my body is going to work, or if I'm going to be confined to living uh, in these circumstances. I don't know what he's doing right now. What is he doing? And answer, God is seeking to work and change you so that you can persevere with joy. That's his product. You know, it's... um. The Bible is interested uh, in this. I, you know, one of our staff actually had this verse uh, on our computer, and it was so striking. I saw it there the other day. It's Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. It says, not only this, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Very strange. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. Jesus will make reference of this in the fourth chapter of Mark as he speaks of the parable of the sower. And he talks about those sown on the rocky ground and he describes them in this way. He says, the ones sown on the rocky ground are the ones who hear the word and immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Right, so so the, where we're moving with discipleship, and one of the ways that you know that discipleship is working in your life, is that you are able to walk with God through these valleys of darkness, right, through the next crisis in your life, whatever that is, and you are able to have a measure of joy that you didn't previously have. Right, that's what that's what it looks like. You know, I'll tell you a um, bit of repentance on my end recently. I'll share with you kind of something I'm, I'm hopeful for and, and encouraged by. So, uh, as you know, we've been reading in, in various parts of James in our staff meeting, and we read, I think it was two weeks ago from chapter 5 that talks about let the sick call for the elders, confess their sins, anoint with oil. And as we're reading that, someone or, or more than one person said, Darren, you know, you've been losing your hearing, I'm losing my hearing, and you haven't called the elders to pray over you. Why not? What, you know what I said? Because I didn't believe, right? Because this is an area of unbelief for me. So that night, I called for the elders, said, would you, you know, let's do this. Would you pray over me? Would you anoint me with oil? I don't want to lose my hearing. I'm really discouraged by it. Would you, uh, would you pray for me? And they did, and, um, you know, Becky supplied us with wonderful essential oils of some sort, <laughs> And um, we had a wonderful time of prayer. And this week, I actually just read of, uh, for the first time in history, 
There is a, a drug called FX322 in stage 2A trials, which has uh, recently been proven to regrow hair cells in human beings. And they're, they're, it's, they've proven that it works. Um, they're just needing to get the dosing right. And there's actually another couple of drugs. But for the first time ever in, in, in hearing technology, there is a drug in the pipeline that is expected to be out within 10 years. I praise the Lord, right? And what I'm telling you folks is that, you know, God is intending for you to walk through the trials in your life, right? And to do so with hope that shows up in joy. And that's really the product of discipleship. And the way that, the way that he does that, I just want to close with this, right? Is he does that through the church, right? He does that through friendship. And the primary Talk about, you know, sharpening. We've got all these group me conversations going on. We're sharing scripture and we're meeting together, um, you know, groups of us to, to look at the scriptures together. But, you know, it's interesting. I didn't mention this at the beginning, but the entire passage that's before us today is what? It's the product of Paul's prayers, right? Paul is saying, look, this is how I'm praying for you. And so friendship that moves to discipleship will be friendship that is honest with one another, that forgives really easily, that tells the truth, right? But then it moves to a kind of prayer that shows up in changing you, right? That shows up particularly in the times where you will have to persevere. And so I do want to wrap up with this. I want to close just reading to you uh, from the letter of Hebrews to the Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. This is what the author had to say as he, as he closes with a similar exhortation. He says, let us run the endurance of the race that is set before us. Let us endure, same, same idea. Let us look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and was seated at the right hand of the throne God. For the joy that was set before him, for the, for the calling of good works that he was asked to do, he, did, he endured the cross while despising its shame, and he did so in pursuit of joy. Let's pray together. Father God, we do praise you, Holy Spirit, we adore you, uh, and I pray, uh, Lord God, that you would do this work of discipleship in me, uh, in our church family, Pray that you would create disciples uh, among us, that you would give us deep friendship that would lead to real discipleship. Pray we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.